Thank you, Paul. On the trombone. No. <laughs> I knew that. I just like to see if he's awake. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for the privilege we have this morning to read your Bible. And God, I recognize that if this is going to transform people's lives, that it's got to have your anointing. It's got to have your leading. And God, what I'm praying for this morning, I need your presence today. Amen. Last week, I began a series that I entitled The Great Escape. The Great Escape. It's going to be taking place over the next four Sundays. But just living, how many found out just living causes bondages? Just living causes there to be something that will threaten your freedom. And just when you think that you've got everything taken care of, something else comes and puts you in chains. Issues of life do it. From birth to death, you'll always be having something you've got to climb out of and get a victory over. There's always going to be something to break free because there's some type of chain that will try to bring you in captivity. We always need to cry out to God for complete freedom. Everybody needs a great escape story. Some of you here this morning have a great escape story. Some of you here this morning need a great escape story, and I pray that you get one over these next four weeks, and especially this morning, as I'm talking about how to escape from worry, I pray that you'll escape the chains of worry today. That's compounding, escalating, out-of-control worry that gets such a grip on our lives that we can't function in the way that God wants us to function. I always get a kick out of reading church bloopers, bulletin bloopers. And I, this is old, but I love it. And it says, don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. We just like to be there any way that we can. We just want to assist any way we can and be of service to you. Let the church kill you. Worry really is killing us. Worry is killing us. And we need to address this and and find ourselves getting some truth from God's word to get us out of this bondage. Here's some facts about worry that I read last week. 40% of the things we worry about never take place. 30% of our worries are about the past, which we can't ever hope to change. 12% of our worries are spent on worrying about what other people think of us and Criticisms by other people, which are mostly untrue. 10% of our worries are about our health, which gets worse with stress. 8%, only 8% of the things that we worry about are real problems or issues that we've got to deal with. And so that means 92% of the things that we worry about are completely pointless. But oh, how they drive us into bondage. The enemy loves it. To play games with our mind and if I can just get him to worry. If I can just get him to consider things that aren't even reality. I'll drive him into bondage. It's killing us. The past, people, health, the imagined, the what ifs. But Jesus said that worry doesn't exactly work for us. Jesus told us that worry doesn't add to our lives. It doesn't make our lives any better. But worry subtracts from that abundant life 
that Jesus died to give us. The Bible says that he gives us life and he gives it to us more abundantly. That's what Jesus Christ gives us. But what we sometimes find ourselves in is we don't have the abundant life. and It's not God's fault. Many times we point to God. It's your fault for this, your fault for that. But this time, this is our fault. We have no grounds to stand upon. We are causing the problems. Worry subtracts. So in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6, Jesus got his followers together and he sat them down. He said, I want to speak to you about some important issues in life. And there are many issues that he talked to them about here. He talked to them about salt and light. He said, I want you to be salt. I want you to be light. He talked to them about the law. He talked to them about murder. He talked to them about adultery. Talked to them about divorce and oaths and loving your enemies and giving to the needy and talked about prayer. It's important to pray and to fast and talked about treasures in heaven. And then he talked about all these issues and said, you've got to listen up to what I'm saying. And then he says this, do not worry. Don't worry. Three times in seven verses, he says, do not worry. It's a biggie. It's a big one. Can we actually do it? Can we Climb ourselves out of worry. For several years, a woman had been having trouble sleeping at night. Her problem was she was worrying about and fearing, what if a burglar breaks into my house? Year after year after year, worrying about this. One night, her husband heard a noise in the house. He went downstairs, and sure enough, it was a burglar. He shook him by the hand and said, I'm so glad to meet you. I wanted to take you up to meet my wife. She's been looking forward to seeing you for 10 years. Finally, now can we get some sleep? Stop worrying about the burglar. We met him. He's here. He robbed us. Now let's go to sleep. Can we do it? Can we actually break free from worry? Can we get out of the pit? Can we squeeze through those bars? And can we pick the lock and get out? The word worry in the Greek means to be divided, to be separated. That's worry as I know it. It pulls you apart. It it yanks you in all different directions till you're literally sick to your stomach. Now, all of us here this morning at one point or another have been sick because of worry. I've been there. I've been sick because of worry. I've been there. I know what it's like. We run to the medication section of the grocery store. I've got to find some Tums. I've got to find something that'll relax the stomach because it's all upset because you're worrying. Because you worried yourself sick. I think I got too much monitor or something. At least I'm causing a ring in my own ears. It's just always possible. So we run for all these different medications. It's a battle. I battle with it. You battle with it. This is the age of misery through anxiety. It's the age of self-inflicted pain. Many years ago, before our two boys were born, my wife and I decided we would take a vacation to Southern California in the middle of winter. Sound like a good time to go? Cold up here and snow. So we enjoyed a good vacation in San Diego. And I remember coming to the end of our vacation and, and then realizing that I've got to go back and face the cold. So I started watching the weather systems and I started looking at 
what we might be driving through. And I began to get so worried about the road, worried about a blizzard, worried about maybe going off the road, going into a ditch, maybe not even getting home. Worry, worry, worry. And it began, you know, just to nag at me and grip. It was destroying my nice sunny weather. It was destroying my time lying on the beach, laying on the beach in Coronado Beach in San Diego, worrying about the snow. There are surely better things to do. And you'll never guess what happened. The next day we went to church. Guess what the pastor spoke on? Worry. You know, God knows exactly what we need when we need it. And, and I'm glad that I got a hold. He said, he's right. He's right. And I dealt with it there, had a great ride home, and naturally I survived, and I'm here. But worrying for nothing. Have I had to escape from worry since? Oh, yes. It seems like we always need, because I said earlier, we always find ourselves getting into bondages. You, you tackle one, and then something else will have to be tackled as well. I've had to deal with worry since then. When Gary Jr. was born, came along, he I mentioned to you before, he was born premature, but also he was born with asthma. And he had asthma. Whenever he got a cold, the asthma would, would come with it. And he was on so much medication. And this medication that they were giving him was causing him to be so hyper. I mean, running and darting and running everywhere, darting here, darting there. And, and we, we wanted, this was just increasing the anxiety. So whenever he got a cold, uh-oh, the asthma's coming, the asthma's coming with it. And that began to get such a grip on me. We'd run him to the hospital, run him to the doctor. One time the doctor looked. He saw my anxiety. He looked me in the eyes and he said, if you can't handle this, let me put him in the hospital where I can take good care of him. Well, you could have slapped me on the face. You got to hit me with a baseball bat. I think I needed it. And I realized that this had gotten such a grip on me, such a root, that it was destroying me. And I had to make a trip to the church. When I pastored in Thompson, I went to the altar and knelt at the altar and said, God, this is too big for me. I'm worrying. It's not helping. It's making it worse. I'm a preacher. I preach deliverance. And God, I need some deliverance. I need some victory in this circumstance of my life. And God gave me the victory. And I said, yes, Lord, I open up my palms. I give it to you. I'm not going to worry about it. It doesn't help. In our lives, we need to escape from worry over and over and over again because it'll keep on trying to creep and find its way back into our lives. Now, there are plenty of things that we could find to worry about. Jesus identified three, I guess, three headings. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, the first one I would say is our own life. We worry about our well-being. We want this body of ours to be protected and we want to make sure that, no, we don't want any pain to come to it. So we worry about what's going to happen to us. There are some people that are afraid to leave their house because they worry what will happen when they walk outside the doors. There could be an accident. Something could hit them on the head. Who knows? They'll think of everything and start worrying about it so they'll stay inside the comforts of their home. But in the comforts of their home, you can sit down in your chair and die. Something I've heard of people that have actually... I read this one time where a guy was walking across the street and just exploded. Just exploded. I mean, you can try to protect yourself, but 
there are things going on in here that you have absolutely no control over. And you can find yourself being in captivity because you worry, what if this vein here is not operating properly? What if it's not going to take the blood to the right place? And, oh, we can get ourselves... Your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller when you start worrying. So we worry about our own life. Our body could malfunction. Then we worry about our food. Jesus said, that's another heading. Worry about how are we going to make ends meet? How are we going to make sure that there's enough food on our table? And what about our jobs? What about our career? What about supporting our family? We worry about those things. Thank God, Jesus left one big category for the ladies. What will we clothe ourselves with? What are we going to wear tonight? We're going out, but what are we going to wear? We worry about our body. Well, there's no shortage of what we can find to worry about. Many years ago, I I stood at the end of a runway in Toronto, the airport, and watched as these big airplanes lined up to come in for a landing, and you could see them one by one by one by one lining up. And that's about the way it is for worries and issues in our lives. They line up, and they're getting ready to land in our lives. They're getting ready to cause havoc in our minds and our well-being. They're getting ready to destroy us. And that's why we always have to be dealing with the issue and bringing it to the Lord because there's always issues coming that are going to try to threaten our abundant life that Jesus came to die for. Two weeks ago, my niece suddenly began to take seizures back in Toronto, Nova Scotia. At a young age and... For three hours, at one point, at three hours, one seizure after another, severe seizures, and they didn't know what was wrong. And that was two weeks ago, and they still don't know what's wrong. They rushed her from Turo Hospital to Halifax Hospital, and they still don't know what's causing these seizures. All I know is my sister and her husband are worn out. There's always going to be issues. There's always going to be circumstances coming our way, and that's going to cause us to, to get so knotted up and so filled with anxiety Always things we have to deal with. So how can we escape worry? How are we going to rid ourselves of it in the future when it comes our way and threatens? Well, here's something I found that I'll share with you. Don't worry. 10, 14 points. Don't worry. It's a waste of time. Think positive. Pretty good. Don't worry. Don't believe the situation's real. It's really just an illusion. You can try that if you want. Don't worry, it may never happen. That's true. Don't worry, get control of yourself, you're in charge. Don't worry, buy enough insurance for every eventuality. Number six, don't worry, be happy. Laugh your troubles away. Number seven, don't worry, bite the bullet, you'll feel no pain. Number eight, don't worry, it might get better, but it'll probably get worse. That shouldn't even be in there, should it? Number nine, don't worry, get busy doing active things, it'll take your mind off. Don't worry, have another drink, another hit, another pill. Number 11, don't worry, go see your therapist. Number 12, don't worry, it's all going to be over soon. Number 13, don't worry, these circumstances are just the cross you have to bear. Number 14, don't worry, it's a sin, so stop it. No, it's really good. Take what you want from that one. Don't worry. Be happy. There's a song about that. So how can we starve this worry out of our lives and, and escape its death grip? Well, there's a little scripture that's tucked 
in the middle of your Bible and mine. It's found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23 and verse 7, and basically it's saying that you are what you think. You become what you're feeding on. Isn't it true? Have you ever read a good book? For that next week, those thoughts were in your mind. A good motivational book, and you found yourself for the next week feasting and feeding on that, and you were greatly encouraged. How about a great scripture passage? You were doing your devotions one morning, and you began to feed on that, and it just seemed to ignite you all all day long. You are what you think. Your thought life is so vital and important. I've always found that the power flows where my attention goes. I have proved this negatively, and I've also proved this in a positive way. It's either garbage in and garbage out, or treasures in and treasures out. You are what you think and feed on. It's death in and death out, or life in and life out. What are you feeding on? Now, I want to give you this morning something to think about. If, if, it's, if the Bible is true, and it is, of course, Proverbs says that you are what you think, let's get the right stuff going in. The Bible says in Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, verses 20 to 23. Now, you would have thought that I would start at verse 22 because it says, do not worry. And that talks about worry. But I'm going to back up to verse 20 just to be different. But God said to them, him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than those birds? Well, number one, to escape worry, we need to correct perspective thoughts. We need correct perspective thoughts. Now, this, which I just read in my text, this is the conclusion to the parable of the rich man. Now, this rich man... It seems he has it all figured out. He's going to get richer. He's going to build bigger barns. He's going to increase his stock. He's going to take life easy. He's going to sit back. He has got it made, so to speak. What Jesus calls him is, he says, you're a fool. Tonight your life will end, and then what will you have? You may have treasures on this earth, but you are bankrupt toward God. And then what Jesus does, he immediately jumps into a teaching on Worry. Here's the point that Jesus is making. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. This world is not our final home. We're just passing through. Therefore, our hearts and our minds and our models and our patterns must not come from this world. And I'm convinced there are times, many times for all of us, that we we have the wrong patterns. My model or my pattern will never be Donald Trump. If I can't get past the hairdo, I can't get past anything else. That's not my model. I would never model myself. as I want to be like him. I want to be have the money, like the power. No, no, I don't want anything that he's got. And then when it comes to schooling, 
I take my schooling from the scriptures, not from humanistic textbooks. There are many books that I've read that are great, but my main textbook, my main source of education comes from the Bible. I think that's a pretty good pattern. Jesus and his word. Get it in my mind. And here's what Jesus says next. Therefore, in light of what I've just told you about this rich man, he thought he had it all. Don't worry about your life. This is not the final act. Eternity is longer than the average lifespan upon this earth. This is not it. I mean, Paul echoed the very same words in Philippians 4 and verse 6, where he says this, don't be anxious about anything. Has anyone got that one down pat yet? Where you're not anxious or worrisome about anything. I don't. I'm still working at it. I'm not at that level yet, but I'm, I'm on the ladder and I'm climbing up and I'm doing my best with each passing year to give more and more and more over to God because I am just passing through. There's more to life than what I see. Get it in correct perspective. Paul had the correct perspective. Man, to think that Paul could say a word like this, free to live as Christ and to die as gain. He obviously had the right perspective. He obviously was thinking right. Where he said, when I live, I preach. When I live, I share the good news of the Lord. When I live, I share salvation. I want many to come to faith. And then when I breathe my last breath, he says, that is going to be gain. That's going to be better yet. To me, that is correct thinking. And when you've got that kind of correct thinking in your mind, don't you think that's going to take care of a lot of the worries? I've got to move on. Number two, to escape worry, we need to correct, we need correct provision thoughts. Not just perspective thoughts, but provision thoughts. And suddenly, out of left field, Jesus brings into the picture these ravens. I never did like ravens. I used to live in Thompson. I saw what ravens do. Scavengers. I mean, I put my garbage out in the morning. They pick it all, all to pieces. You go up there. My first introduction to Thompson when I moved there in 1987. Nelson, you know about this because he lived there too. And I put my garbage out and I wondered, why do people put blankets all over their garbage bags every morning? Well, I found out. My garbage all over the place. And they even are smart. They'll sit up on a telephone pole and be the lookout man. And they give the okay for people to, for the other birds to come and attack the garbage when no one else is around. I read that. These are scavengers. Low-life birds. And so Jesus brings in the scavengers, the ravens and garbage pickers, and he says, I want them to be your teachers. Do you want those things to be my teachers? Teacher? How can I learn from these ravens? They don't plant. They don't work. They don't sweat. They don't toil and work the fields. They don't prepare for the future by building up resources and securities like we do. I know people like that. They're lazy. I call them lazy. But these ravens just fly around and live for the moment. Maybe I can learn something from the ravens. Yet God feeds them. God takes care of these ravens. 
Job 38 and verse 41 says, Who provides food for the raven? Psalm 104 verse 27 says, These all look to you to give them their food in proper time. In fact, this, this is an incredible chapter. If you want a good chapter to go home and feed on so you get the right thought process going in your mind, go home and read Psalm 104. And Jesus is, God's talking about His gracious provision for every living creature and the trees and nature. He's got everything figured out. And the psalmist, it might have been David, we're not sure, but he says in verse 28, when you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. And if you read that chapter in the beginning, you'll note that David or the psalmist, he begins to worship God and praise Him and say, oh, oh, I praise you for your very great." And he goes on to mention all these marvelous things about God's provision. Then he ends the psalm by giving praise to God and rejoicing. He says, may my meditation be pleasing to you. I will sing to you for as long as I live. Surely God is good. Surely God takes care of all of our needs. We need to have correct provision thoughts. God will take care of you. Jesus goes on to say in Luke chapter 12, how much, more, how much more valuable are you than the ravens? Sometimes I need to hear that. Maybe you need to hear that this morning, that you're important, important to God. Verse 28 says, oh, you have little faith. Sometimes we have little faith in a big God. Want to escape worry? Feed on God's provision thoughts. Want to escape from worry? Get a picture of Yourself being in the palms of Jesus' hands. We run for security in the walls of our home. But there's better security in the palms of Jesus' hands. You're in the hollow. That's where he positions you. And when I think on those things and meditate upon those things, it does eliminate and help me to exit and get out and escape from worry. Number three, to escape worry... We need correct petition thoughts. Not just perspective thoughts, provision thoughts, but correct petition thoughts. I don't, you're probably like me. You like to do things on your own. And many times we feel that way when we, before we come to God. We'll try to settle this. Yeah, I've got a concern. Yeah, I've got a need. It's a big one. It's a biggie. I've got to, I've got to wrestle this through myself. And so we work it out and we try to do it on our own. And there's a, our Heavenly Father's waiting there every time with hands outstretched. My child, come to me, come to me. And we, we, we just work it through and we worry and we're concerned and we're, we're rattled and we're bothered. We're trying to do it ourselves. And when we get it all settled, we feel then we'll go to God. But Jesus wants us to come to him just as we are. We're all damaged goods. We don't, come to, we don't come to Jesus as perfect vessels. I don't think we ever will be able to. We come to Jesus as broken vessels. And we come before the Lord and say, I'm, I'm wrestling with this so much. This worry, this concern. And by the way, worry, if it starts small, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger like a snowball rolling down the side of a hill, which I hate to use as an illustration, but I have to. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It gets so big that it just destroys us. We are to come to Jesus with our worries. 
The hymn writer said, just as I am, I come. I come. Just as I am. And God does make something beautiful out of your life. Earlier I talked about Paul. Paul had correct thoughts. Let me read to you, continue with what I, I said earlier. In Philippians chapter 4, And verse 6, I mentioned earlier that Paul said, Do not be anxious about anything. But let me continue to read because this is so, so powerful. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. There's nothing wrong with coming before the Lord and saying, I'm anxious about this. I'm worried about this. God, it's out of control. You come and bring that petition before the Lord. Sprinkle a little thanksgiving in there by saying, Lord Jesus, I know you can do it. And I thank you for taking care of all my worries in the past and my pains. You've always gotten me through. Thank you, Lord, for that. Bring your requests. And when you bring those anxious thoughts to the Lord, look what happens next. And the peace of God, which transcends and goes beyond any human understanding. Nobody can understand how you can have so much freedom and joy amidst issues of life. That's what they'll say about you. How does he do it? Because he's going to be awake all night anyway, so why should I stay awake too? I give it to God. I often tell people, when you bring your needs to the Lord... Your worries and struggles, you hold them in the palm of your hands because you're trying to wrestle through them. Just do this in prayer. And then during the next week when you're threatened to worry about it again, do it again. Open up your palms. Here's what I did last week. I opened up my palms and I gave it to Jesus. I no longer have it. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I've talked to you this morning about your thought life. And Paul even goes on, I won't read it, but in verse 8, talks about what to think on, what to meditate upon. He talks about your thought life. You get this going right, somehow everything else is going to function properly. I pray this morning that you'll escape from worry. The freedom is there for you. So Lord God, we come to the end of another service. But I pray this would just be the beginning for many. Although this is the conclusion, although we're going to head home and have lunch, we're going to begin our week tomorrow, I pray that we be transformed. I pray that as the book of Proverbs says, we are what we think, that we'd read the instruction manual found in the Bible that tells us how to live. We read it once. If we don't get it, we'll read it twice. If we don't get what Paul is saying, Philippians 4, 6, 7, and 8, we'll read it again. It's called meditation, reading on it, praying over it, believing it. And God, that's what we do. We get the right thoughts in. It doesn't mean that we don't have issues to face. People here this morning, they've got mountains that are way bigger than they are. They have no way of knowing how they're going to get over them right now. But 
God, you know. You know. God, you will get us through. So God, we commit them to you. In Jesus' name. Stand with me as we sing a concluding song. If you'd like to receive ministry this morning in prayer, just invite you to make your way to the front of the church. This altar and prayer teams will come and pray with you. Lift up your burden, your burries, whatever it is, to him.